don't overthink it. Um, I think, you know, this kind of ties in with the first one, but I think we can get really in our heads and we can, we can overthink things. And, uh, I like to think as myself as like a perfectionist and mm. I've learned that in one of the books that I've read, it's, it's actually bad to be looked at, to be a perfectionist. And it's because we're constantly chasing after something that's not real. Per perfect mm. isn't real. Right. So we're, we're driving ourselves crazy. Like we're, we're constantly, you know, and actually people who are looked at to be perfectionists, we actually have a high rate of like anxiety, depression, eating disorders and all these things because we're driving ourselves nuts. So there's never, there's never really like a perfect time. Some people say, I got to learn more before I get started. Nope. Just go for it. You'll learn along the way. The only way you're going to learn is by doing it. Um, and you can do it. You're a big deal. You're a big deal. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's uh, grown several startups in the seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the uh, CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us to chat. Now, today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, Emily, and is it Desingua, I'm not sure. I, I didn't ask you how to pronounce the last name before we started. It's okay. It happens all the time. It's Desing you. All right. I'm probably still going to mess up. So I'm just going to go by Emily. No problem. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Emily, so um, she uh, graduated from college, moved to Florida, and I think said that lived out of a, a trailer for a little while, went around, yeah. you know, the, the people you often see at uh, Costco or Sam's Club and others that are selling products. Basically, she signed up to do that was told, go to these places, sell, much, sell so much per day, and then you'll, we'll pay you type of a thing. Um, but it became, I think, if, if I remember right, the number one Tupperware salesperson in the nation, if, if that's <laughs> correct, which is a great honor. So that's the, to sell Tupperware and be the number one is, uh, is pretty impressive. So um, then woke up one day and decided she didn't want to do that anymore. So I uh, moved back to New York, looked a little bit at uh, business development for a, a rent company, Always wanted to get into the real estate market, but was a bit worried about it being a crowded market, whether or not you could compete, whether or not it would be a good decision, and decided to take a, a try at it, spend some time, and uh, see if you could actually make a go of it. And then that brings you to where you're at today. So with that much as an induction, welcome on to the podcast, Emily. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So I gave everybody kind of the 30-second run-through or the quick overview, but let's take a, a bit back in time. So graduated from college, moved to Florida, and kind of pick up from there and tell us a little bit about your journey. Cool. Yeah, I've always wanted to live in Florida. It's, it's Some people hate the hot, muggy weather. I love it. So one of my roommates in college, their father had a trailer around Tampa. So I ended up living in there, and I loved it. I didn't care where I lived. I was in Florida. I was on cloud nine. So I ended up working for this company and people always find this job to be interesting. It's um, this company would give me a new product every month. So I had hair straighteners, weight loss tea, uh, skincare. I even had like heating pads. Try selling a heating pad in Florida. Uh, um, and Does it get cold enough in Florida that you need a heating pad ever? <laughs> it's, it's like you, it's no. Basically, now, Utah, where I'm at, sure, you could sell those, and it's winter right now, and in fact, it's snowing outside, and so you can, I'm sure, sell heating pads in Utah, but it just seems like Florida, that would be a hard sell. It, it was tough, and uh, but so that the company, they would give me the product, and I would have to set up a table in big box stores, so like you said, Sam's Club and Costco's, 
and they would say, all right, you know, make at least, you know, $800 a day worth of product mm. and go. And that was it. So, you know, I, it was easily my worst job, but in the hindsight of things, it was probably one of the best things I've ever could have done. Mm. Uh, especially now that I'm in real estate. And I say that because that job had like a 98% uh, rejection rate. <laughs> so every, everyone's seen someone like that at the mall or, you know, in the Sam's club, they start approaching you with the product and you kind of give them the hand. You run like, away oh. as quick as you can because you don't want to have to talk to them. I'll right. usually talk to them or I'll say, no, thank you. I appreciate the offer, but not interested. So I try and be slightly nicer, but it, you know, give you the 30 second aside. So I served a, a religious mission for my church and it was in Taiwan. So talk okay. about hot and muggy, like Florida, like Taiwan, it was yeah. hot and muggy all the time. I used to joke, and this is a complete aside. We'd ride bikes for a lot of the time and you'd okay. wear a, a rain jacket when it rained. And it wasn't because it was, it would keep the, you soak cause you would sit there and sweat on the inside out in the rain jacket. The only reason you wear a rain jacket was because you wanted to keep the dirt off of you from flipping up on it. My whole aside was, is that, I used to, when we did that, if people would see the missionaries coming down the street, you would see them cross the road, go to the other side, just so they wouldn't have to walk by you because they were going to have to talk to you. Or you'd go knock on their door and they'd yell out to you, nobody is home. And then you say, but I'm talking to someone like, nope, nobody's home. So I completely relate with you with uh, having to deal with the rejection. Oh yeah. People avoid eye contact to your point. They, <laughs> they immediately turn into this random aisle that, you know, they actually have nothing to get down there. So It was just like, so that was tough. And so you had to constantly, um, talk to everyone. So you had to talk to at least a hundred people a day. It's like, mm. say this is a numbers game. So it's, you had to at least talk to a hundred people every day and that would at least help you hit your quota. So I had to talk to anyone that would come near me. And that just taught me so much how to quick, you know, think quickly on my feet, how to talk to people, how to get their attention, how to get them to like me in five seconds. Uh, because, you know, everyone wants to buy, but no one wants to be sold to. Right. So mm. it's how do you be fun, charismatic and make the people want to talk to you? Because everyone has also gone to like a mattress store and the mattress guy was so salesy that you just wanted to scream and run out. So you don't want that guy either. So it's that balance. And I managed to find it. And I think one thing is just humor is my comfort zone. So mm. I just laughed at myself before they could even start laughing at me. And like, I just like, I had fun with it. Sometimes I talked with accents just to kill time and just whatever I could do. And then, mm. yes, I started doing Tupperware. And for some reason, I was really good at it. And mm. I was number one in the nation. So they're like, you know what? Like, we're going to like really amp this up. So they got me like the headset with like the speakers and I had like a kitchen backdrop and I had to get crowds of people around my booth, at least like 20 people a rip and get mm. them amped to talk about Tupperware. <laughs> so yeah, but one day you wake up and you're like, I can't, I can't do this forever. There's no way. There are a lot of, no offense and not ageist by any means, but there are a lot of older people in Costco and in Sam's Club that I still see selling. So maybe it would have been your perfect career. You never know. No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't want it. I would wake up and have the same realization that while it may be fun or maybe a way to pass the time, it's probably not the long-term career path that you're wanting. So you you woke up and you decided, okay, while I can sell Tupperware better than anybody else, it's right. probably not what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so then how did you kind of, decide what do you want to do from there you have that realization you say okay what i want to do something else how did you kind of land on what that something else was yeah so after being a tupperware celebrity and all that fame i decided <laughs> to uh move back to new york i was just like i need to like 
reevaluate some things, figure some stuff out. So I moved back up to New York. And then I started to work for this global tenant representation firm called Cressa. It was out of uh, mm. Albany. And originally they had me, I was hired. I did, I had no idea what I was doing. They hired me to be like an account manager, which was like sit at a computer all day and do like little tedious, like work and just like type stuff and stare at a screen. And I was going nuts. I was like, I hate this. And the business development person there at the time was not working out because she wasn't talking to people. And when mm. I learned about the role, I'm like, wait a minute, like she just has to cold call people and go to events and talk to strangers all day. Like sign me up. I said, I'll talk to anyone you want me to. I said, just get me out of this cubicle. And they're like, yeah, okay, we'll give you a shot. And I, I did it for four years and I, I did pretty well. Mm. So, mm-hmm. so you did that for a period of time and, and it did well, got better change up. And I, I think that, you know, the interesting thing is while you've done it, it's, it's always been a bit more in sales, which is, I think every, every business you have to learn how to sell, especially if you're a founder, co-founder, regardless of it is I'm in it in legal, you have to know how to sell your product because you're trying to convince people that they need your legal services. If you're in Tupperware, whether you're in real estate, everything, there's always a reason why you're needed automobiles travel anything you're always having to figure out how to sell so it seems like it's a skill that you developed and continue to kind of do in different or different avenues throughout uh your you know your journey so now you said okay i did this for four i think you said four years or so then yeah. what you know what was the cause or what was the reason to decide to make a shift or a transition for sure so you know to your point, I think in any type of entrepreneurship that you want to take on, whether you're selling a service, a product, you know, whatever it is, you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and talk to people. Like you have to, you have to have that confidence in you that you can approach anyone and that you believe in that product so much that they're crazy to not listen to you or to not hear about your service and what you can do for them. So that job was really great in that I was no longer talking to customers in Sam's clubs. Now I was trying to get meetings with exec, like CEOs, COOs of huge companies that have all those, you know, gatekeepers that try to keep you out. I loved the challenge. I did some crazy things that worked. I did some crazy things that failed, but it taught me again, how to talk to a different group of people and get them to listen to me when everyone's trying to, to sell them their service or product. So what were, just out of curiosity, what were some of the things that did work? Not having to go through all of them, but what was one, maybe the best one that did work and the worst one that failed? Yeah. So the best one that worked. So when pre-COVID, um, mm. there, you know, networking events are really big around the capital region mm. and I love networking events. I thrived at them because it was just like my Sam's club days, just talk to everyone. So I, so I loved panel discussions and the reason why I love panel discussions, cause it told you all these big names are going to be there and talk, they took time out of their calendar to be there and talk to you. So there was this huge exact, like this huge CEO that was going to be there, this like multi-million dollar company. I can't say who it is, but it was huge, especially for around here for him to talk. And he was the only, he was the keynote speaker. So I'm like, I, I'm going to get in front of him. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get him to talk to me after this event. So I go to the event. He does an incredible job. He tells a story how he started from the bottom to the top. And it's, it's awesome. So at the end of the talk, he's like, all right, I only have time for like a few questions, a few Q&A, then I got to get out of here. So he does a few Q&A and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have like five seconds to get this guy's attention. Mm. So after the Q&As are done, I ran, I just beelined it to the front and Mm. I just said, hi, I said, "I, I know you have no time. I said, but this is what I do. And, you know, I know you're a growing company. And I said, you know, it was still real estate that I was selling. But I was like, who handles your real estate? Because blah, blah, you know, I just quickly just blurted out at him. And he was like, oh, I, I don't handle the real estate. I said, oh, I said, well, who does? And he said the guy's name, John, I'll say John Smith. 
John Smith handles the real estate. I said, oh, I didn't know that. He goes, yeah. So, I mean, that would be the guy you want to talk to. So what I did is that I ran in my car, I wrote down the name, I drove right back to my office, I practiced in my car what I was going to say to John Smith. I called him and I said, hey, you know, John, this is Emily, um, you know, your CEO told me to give you a call about your real estate. And I got him and he listened and he took a meeting with me mm. and he ended up being, they ended up being one of our clients. Huh. So... so- not, no, not, I think that's, the, first of all, it's, that's a good way it takes an initiative. Hey, I'll get the number and then I'm going to reach out to him and I'm going to leverage the, you know, they say, hey, call this person. The funny thing is, is how many people never actually call that person. They never actually follow through and reach out, which is crazy, especially when somebody says, hey, I'll, I'm happy to help you out. This person's the one to do it. It's crazy. It's crazy. And that, but you know, that's just like what goes on in our mind. Like, oh, they'll never want to talk to me. They're, they're going to hang up with me. They're not even going to answer their phone. What am I going to say to them? And it's like, you got to ignore all that. You have to just ignore it and just go for it. And, you know, even though the CEO didn't tell me to tell him that I told him to talk that, you know, that we talked, I'm like, Hey, I, I spoke with Frank and, you know, Frank John told me to give you a call and hmm. you know, about your real estate. And, um, I no, and I, I have to laugh because again, not to intrude into your journey, but legal yeah. industry, Everybody is horrible about follow-ups and that's yeah. crazy. So there's a, I love it and I'll, I'll give the plug for them. I don't get any money and I, I don't get any referral, but I, I love their service. It's called Bomb Bomb, which is a new way to do emails where you can do a, a it does a little gift or a little a snippet. And then you can basically embed video in your email. So you can actually have a more personal, a personal interaction, mm-hmm. super simple, easy way to follow up. And yeah, I can't, I can't or count the number of times people say, oh, that is a great way to connect and make it more personal and thanks for the message. And it's those little things that if you would just follow through and do that not, aren't hard, but just so many people don't do that sets you apart. It really does. And you just, you just got to go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? He says, no, like, okay. Like he could have easily said, no, Emily, I'm good. Okay. No problem. Can I follow up with you in three months? Um, so, but one of the worst things that I've done, well, one of the, one of the biggest fails that I did, um, mm. there was a huge healthcare provider around here and they have multiple locations. And since we handled leasing, multiple locations is like the ideal client because that's multiple leases to work on, on a, in a year or over years. So uh, there was this, ex- <laughs> there was a CEO that got promoted from COO to CEO. And I, I ran into them at an mm. event quickly introduced myself. She had no time for me, but I'm like, you know, I'd love to talk to you about your real estate. She's like, yeah, yeah, give me a call sometime. So I took that to heart. I immediately went back to my office. I called her emails. I wasn't getting anything. And I'm like, I need to get in the door with this person. They need our service. So I came up with this idea. I got this uh, gift card from Starbucks Mm. and it was like a $15 gift card. So that buys you like one coffee. And I was like, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to show up and just hand them this like card, this Starbucks gift card with like congratulations card saying, you know, congrats from being promoted to CEO. Mm. So admittedly, I didn't really think this was going to work out. So when I got there, you know, first gatekeeper, this woman at this desk, I'm like, hi, you know, so-and-so got promoted. I got him this card. I just want to congratulate them. Person at the front desk, that's the sweetest thing. Go upstairs. You know, I'm like, what? You know, like that worked. So like I'm going upstairs here's gatekeeper number two it's like this huge tall like typical like executive mm. building I go up to the next floor I'd say the same thing hey you know this person got promoted I just want to congratulate them I got them this card that's so nice of you go up to like the top floor you know and you know talk to so-and-so and I'm like this is this is working 
This, they're just letting me go up and talk to this executive. So I go all the way to the top floor of this like big glass building. And I'm like, there's no way this is going to work. So this is like the final gatekeeper. It was like the, the CEO's like admin, like her, like uh, her assistant. And I was just like, hi, I'm Emily. And this person got promoted. I got this card from, I just want to congratulate them. Yeah, she's actually in her office right now if you want to stop in. And like my, like my heart was racing. I was sweating. I was like, I did not prepare for this. I did not think she was going to let me in. Like, so now I just like, and the biggest fail was I wasn't prepared because I go in this woman's office and I just blacked out. I don't even know what I said. Um, I was just like a rambling mess. The person was just as shocked to see me as I was to see them. And I just didn't take control of any of the situation. I gave her the card. She was confused. I was confused. And I left and needless to say, she never called me for a meeting. <laughs> and when I went back and I told my boss, he's like, you just went there and you just went in her office. I said, yeah, I don't know how, but it worked. So. <laughs> hey, hey, but it had a lot of potential. If you, if you hadn't blacked out and you hadn't gotten nervous, then it I could was, have been a great opportunity. And that's what, you know, it took it over me because then immediately I'm like, what am I going to say? She's going to think I'm crazy. I can't believe this work. This is only $15. I should have went with $20. Like, you know, so, oh, but funny. I, I, I went for it and it's a good story to tell. So, so now is, so now let's now circling back. So moving kind yeah. of forward. So now, and I think right. it, now you decided you wanted to get into kind of real estate, do that, you do that on your own and kind of take that as the next step on your journey. Is that kind of right? But you were also had a bit of hesitation or nervousness about whether or not it would be a good fit. Correct. So because I worked for a tenant rep firm, they said, Hey, you can't do residential for somebody else. So I actually had mm. to leave that company. And I worked for another company and I'm like, I'm just going to see if I can get this business off the ground, my real estate business. So I worked two jobs and typically they say it takes like two years to get your real estate business off the ground. And there was, there's always going to be like the negative Nancy's whenever you want to try to pursue something that's a little bit uncomfortable to them. Uh, and, you know, there was even agents in the office or not even in my office, just agents who maybe tried real estate and didn't, didn't succeed. And like, oh, good luck. And two years, mm. maybe like four years, you know, just like negative, just like negative energy. And I'm like, goodbye. Like I'm gonna, and, uh, you know, the, then the pandemic hit mm. and I kind of, you know, first I think everyone was scared. And then when I realized real estate was still going to happen, mm. I kind of sat there and I'm like, all right, I have, I have two options, either like sink or swim, either I'm going to make up an excuse and say that I can't, I can't develop business because I can't go to events and I can't see people and I, I, I can't go door to door or I just, I go full force and I do everything virtually, everything virtually possibly that I can, like mm. everyone I can talk to. And I managed to become a full-time real estate agent in six months. Well, that's awesome. So now yeah. you mentioned, so what, or what was the date that you really started or got, or got going with it? Uh, January. <laughs> so basically you had two months before COVID really, really cracked down and really hit hard. So I, yeah. it sounds like you started out going the door to door. You started doing that as a way to engage people because, you know, and that works well for a lot of times. And then you had to make your pivot and you're saying, Hey, I, I got it. First of all, you had the nervousness. You, were, you heard a lot of people say that they failed. And so, right. you know, when now when COVID hits and you're having to say, I, I can't do the big events, I can't go door to door. Did you take that as a opportunity and something that you could, you know, use as a way to set yourself apart? Was it a setback or kind of how did you deal with that? And how did you make that pivot? 
Yeah, you know, so it's in my apologies, I actually started in December because I got my first and only sale before the pandemic by the end of January. So I went door to door and like introduced myself. But mm. then when the pandemic hit, um, gosh, I mean, it was everything was so uncertain. And but I just like some people would say like, oh, it's a sign. I'm not meant to do this. Some people take like obstacles as signs, if you will, that they shouldn't pursue it. But I, I mean, anything that you try to go after, there's going to be walls that you're going to hit and things that mm. come your way that's unexpected uh so you know i didn't take that as like a sign to slow down uh, so what i did is that i sat down and i wrote down like different strategies and talking to people and one is and this is like i looked at the positive of quarantine everyone's in front of their computers right now everyone's on their phones everyone's on their computers mm. and you know linkedin alone i have over a thousand connections that's over a thousand people i can talk to and people are lonely. Like we just want to connect. And so I'm like, what if I just, I'm just going to start talking to everyone that I possibly can virtually, you know, not be salesy and be like, Hey, I do real estate. You want to talk, but just, Hey, how are you doing? You know, how are things, you know, and starting up that conversation and then bringing mm -hmm. up, Hey, listen, I do real estate. And, you know, I'd love to talk with you more about it over a virtual coffee if you're open. And mm -hmm. I just, I just started to do that. I started going to virtual networking events, which admittedly took me some time to adjust because it's just mm -hmm. not the same. Mm. you know uh but going to that constantly telling people who you are what you do getting like your little elevator pitch down definitely making yourself sound different because everyone knows a real estate agent we're saturated here uh so what makes you sound different and you know real estate also has an 80 percent like 80 percent of realtors don't renew their license after two years you know mm. so it's it's not easy it's 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 getting things rocking and rolling that are are difficult and mm. i just I just it literally, it's like, you just have to talk to people and the power of networking. And also I will say, and I heard this really, really early on in my career, business is people helping people. Mm. So if you have good intentions. So if you, if I want to help you, you are naturally going to want to help me. It's just like, it's just mm. what happens. So if I'm constantly thinking of how I can help other people, if I can help them grow in some way, then they'll remember that and they'll want to help me grow in some way. So maybe they don't have a house that needs to, to they, they want to put on the market, but they might know someone else. So oh. it's that too, because people remember, I don't, you know, it's one of the things that like irks me. And I don't know if you've had this happen to you. Someone says, Hey, I would love to meet with you and learn more about you. So you're like, okay, yeah, I'd love to tell you more about what I do. Then you meet hmm. with them and all they do is talk about themselves. <laughs> yeah, I and you're like, well, that was a nice conversation. I learned a lot about you, but uh, I don't think you know a thing about me. And I don't know why we met because there really wasn't any benefit. No, I completely get that. Yeah, so people remember that. And that's what they check off as salesy. And so my mm. goal is every time I meet with someone is I don't want them to go, oh, Emily's a real estate agent. She's super salesy. I just want to be like, yeah, Emily's a really good person. And I would love to help her any way that I can. And I feel the same way about anyone else that I meet. Hmm. So now let me now taking it. So that, that brings us all the way up until today. And yeah. now you're still, so you're coming up. It sounds like you just crossed the year line of doing real estate, being in the, the game. Is it looking at looking towards the future? What's the next six to 12 months look for? And I know things are a bit chaotic. It's a bit unknown, but you know, kind of looking at kind of what the goals are, where you see the, the next six to 12 months going for it. Where do you think that's headed? Yeah. So, you know, I had a really good first year. I, I had a above average year um, and I'm, I'm super excited about it, but I'm always, I don't, something that really helped me. So I'm a huge reader. 
huge reader. I believe in reading books, especially like you can read about successful people in all different types of industries because you can take away something from anyone's journey. It doesn't have to mm. be just like real estate, you know? Mm-hmm. And something that I read, and this will tie in together, I swear. Um, I read this book called Boss Up and it was a good book. And she talked about how we view success as like a, like a pie. And when we see someone doing good, we take a piece out of that pie, right? Mm. So we're like, oh my God, there's only four pieces left for me. And then someone else does really good. And then they take another piece. And so we become nervous and we become salesy and we our work becomes uh, not as great because we're stressed and we're, we're trying to like beat everyone else. And it's just, it just doesn't work. And so, you know, in this industry, I try to, I view as everyone can be successful if they want to be successful. There's enough business around for everyone. And so mm. I had a really great year, but you know, I'm constantly trying to do better. I'm trying to constantly outbeat myself. No one else. I'm not looking at anyone else's competition and I want to at least double my sales. I want to be mm. uh, top 200 realtors into my second year. And then I want to be top hundred next year. And, you know, I want to, you know, but I'm close to the top 300, but that's not good enough for me. I, you know, I want to, I want to. Just like the top where you got to be number one, right? It got to be number one, right? Exactly. And so. And even if you never hit number one, shooting for number, why shoot for number 100 or number two or number whatever? Always, I think, shooting for being the best you can and whether or not you hit it, it gives you a great goal to work towards and it gives you something to reach out to. Yeah, absolutely. So if you just constantly try to be the best version of you, don't compare yourself to other people's success. Don't compare yourself to who else is doing good. Like focus on you. Like what can you do to make yourself better? You get results. No, and I I definitely agree. So, so now as we wrap up towards the end of the podcast, and I always ask two questions at the end, we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, so along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? Uh, you said the, the best decision I've ever made. Worst, worst, worst oh, business okay. decision. <laughs> uh, the worst decision is I should have started real estate sooner. Mm. And I, I, you know, I'm 28 years old and I'm like, man, what if I actually started when I was thinking about it? And that was years ago, but I talked myself out of it because we're so good at coming. We can come up with an excuse for anything. We really can. Humans mm. like when I had to do cardio, I thought of every reason not to do cardio. I could come up with any excuse and it became valid because mm. you know, I'm like, no, that's a good excuse. Um, but I talked myself out of it, especially because I'm, I'm so young and I was like, no one's going to take me seriously. Um, I'm too young to start. I, I was coming up with all these crazy things. I'm, I'm not ready, but you're never going to be ready for that type of stuff. You just got to go and hit on. Uh, so I wish... I wish I didn't listen to myself so much a few years ago because I think about where I could be now and I think it would have been light years ahead, but I mean, it's cool. I got time. Mm. No, and you know, it's interesting. I think we're coming up, we've done over 100 or 150 episodes now. And I would say that's probably as many different journeys as people take, as many different paths to take. It's probably the number one answer is that I should have, I wish I would got started earlier. My biggest mistake is I didn't do what I thought or what what my passion was for any number of reasons. Kind of, as you mentioned, you can always come up with, you know, excuses or reasons or rationalizations as to why you shouldn't do it. And yet everybody, once they dive into it, they love it. Even if you don't make as much money, even if you're not as successful, you love it, you enjoy it. And it's a much, you know, much more enjoyable path forward because you're excited about what you do so i i definitely think that that's a good lesson to reinforce with people because it's certainly a common theme i think between a lot of people that are entrepreneurs startup love small businesses and those type of things 
So as we now jump to the second question, which is if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Oh man. Uh, Don't, don't overthink it. Um, I think, you know, this kind of ties in with the first one, but I think we can get really in our heads and we can, we can overthink things. And uh, I like to think as myself as like a perfectionist and Mm. I've learned that in one of the books that I've read, it's it's actually bad to be looked at to be a perfectionist. And it's because we're constantly chasing after something that's not real. Per- perfect mm. isn't real, right? So we're we're driving ourselves crazy. Like we're we're constantly, you know, and actually people who are looked at to be perfectionists, we actually have a high rate of like anxiety, depression, eating disorders, mm. and all these things because we're driving ourselves nuts. So <laughs> there's never, there's never really like a perfect time. Some people say, I got to learn more before I get started. Nope, just go for it. You'll learn along the way. The only way you're going to learn is by doing it. Um, mm. And you can do it. You're a big deal. You're a big deal. No, and I and I, and I, I get the, the perfectionist. I mean, the, in the way I use it to my advantages. So my way, it drives me nuts if it, by the end of the day, if I don't have all my emails responded to because it feels like there's something hanging out there. And so my mm-hmm. rule is in order to make sure that I if I want to drive myself nuts to get something done, I just leave it in my inbox because it'll drive me nuts and say, okay, that's a high priority. I have to get it done. So I, but I completely agree on the perfectionist is it's so easy just to, you, you're always looking for to be perfect and then it, it creates more issues or drawbacks. And if you just do go for good, go for being great, but not having to be perfect. So I think that that's a great piece of advice. Well, as we wrap up, if people want to buy real estate from you, they want to work for you, they want to be your next client, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, connect up to you, or find out more? Uh, probably email, for sure. And do I have to like, should, are you going to put it in the link or should I? I really why don't you do both? So why don't you give people, if they're listening or otherwise not in front of it, that they can uh, get it or write it down and then we'll also include it in the show notes. Sure. It's uh, it's E. And then it's my last name. So D-E-S-S-I-N-G-U-E at B-H-H-S-B-L-A-K-E dot com. It is All right. That's very a slight long. bit of a mouthful, but That's hey, that way. Very long. <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. way people will, it's basically, or they'll, they'll be able to, if they hear it or otherwise watching it, they can write it down and otherwise we'll have it in the show notes. Well, thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, uh, make sure if you have your own journey to tell, we'd love to have you on. Feel free to apply to be a guest by just going to inventiveguest.com. Also, make sure to click um, subscribe on wherever you listen to the podcast so you get notifications as all the awesome episodes come out. And leave us a review so new people can find us. And last but not least, if you ever have any... um, any need for patents, trademarks, or if we can ever help you out, just feel free to go to strategymeeting.com. We're always happy to, to talk uh, patents, trademarks, or anything else. Thank you again, Emily. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun to have you on and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thanks so much. Bye.